give it up for Jesus one more time, church. Come on, church. Give it up for our worship team really quickly. Come on. Good job, worship team. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Man, good job. Good job, everybody. Good job, church. Good job, worship team. Good job, Jesus. Ha. Amen. Don't you love the Lord? You know, uh, yeah, give it up for Jesus. Come on. Come on. Like you mean it. Like you mean it. This is Humpty. Can you, Brian, let's turn him a little bit. Brian, 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 Brian. Let's turn him just a little bit. Thank you. Oh, can you see him now? Thank you, brother. Awesome. Hey, uh, three things really quickly. One, uh, Brian and Tammy Polk do a really great job on our cleansing stream. Happens twice a year. There's, uh, yeah, come on. They did. And there's sign-ups taking place right now. So if there's anything that, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you, you can't get over, can't get through, you just, man, I want to attack this area of my life. I just think, I feel like um, I need more of God in a specific area, maybe some deliverance of something. Um, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby, and there'll be an information meeting, and then Brian will kind of take you right through the steps on how the process works. And so it's a really good deliverance ministry. I invite you to try that. Come on out for it. And then uh, sign up today. Two other dates I want you to be aware of. September 15th, that's a Saturday. Uh, we're going to do from 10 till 12. We're going to do Every Home for Christ outreach. And so we invite you to come on out. Marcus will give us some neighborhoods to go to. We just want to go pray with people. How many knows the prayer is good, right? And God answers prayer, but he needs people to pray with people. So we want to pray with people face-to-face. Our goal is to reach everybody uh, door-to-door in Hickory and the surrounding areas over the next several years. So come on out. We'll be doing it every six or eight weeks. And then October the 6th, many of you know, we did a big outreach in Cherokee back in July. We're going to go back up for a one-day event. And that sign-up sheet is in the foyer lobby as well, along with Every Home for Christ. We're going to go up, help the church up there that we're partnering with just to hand out water bottles and um, flyers for a big carnival that the community is doing. So we want to go up there and just enjoy. So we'll have some, we'll have some more information about that, but she wants you to write those dates down so that you are aware of what's taking place. We have a really, really busy fall, a lot of activity down in town at the building, uh, the new campus down there. We'll be keeping you informed of that and just a lot going on. So this is Humpty. Uh, somebody was asking, I think one of our team members at staff meeting this week, uh, the great folks at In Your Home have allowed us to use Humpty, and they were saying how cool it would be if we picked Humpty up and just smashed him on the last service. And I said, that'd be really cool, and if anybody wanted to to buy him so that we could do it, that would be great. But otherwise, yeah, we're going to give Humpty back to uh, In Your Home afterwards. So give it up for In Your Home for allowing us to use... Uh, Humpty, uh, shop there, buy there. Um, uh, Janie handles one of their salaries just about all the time. So, did you have a comment? No. Okay. <laughs> or a rebuttal. Did you notice that? It's like, that's true. But, but anyways, um, we're in the middle of Humpty Dumpty. You got this week and next week. And so, um, you know the, the nursery rhyme and Humpty, Humpty Dumpty is uh, based off the life of King Alexander III who was a proud king and had gotten overthrown by a lesser 
uh, army because of just his pride. And pride can really interfere and get with you. And so uh, today we're going to talk about just kind of falling off the wall and maybe a life that's shattered or in pieces, but not only putting that life back together again, but keeping yourself kind of away from that wall a little bit. And so normally we would have you stand, but we're not going to stand today. We're going to walk through some scriptures uh, as we go through it, and then I'll give you a couple points near the end. So we're going to come out of Acts, book of Acts 20, 6 through, I think, 12. Uh, but we sailed away from Philippi. I want you to notice the word we for a second, because uh, Luke is writing this book, the book of Acts, as a continuation of the book of Luke. Luke has 24 chapters, Acts has 28 chapters, and we're kind of the 29th chapter, our life right now. And he says, but he starts out with we. And I like the inclusiveness because sometimes we look at churches or we look at church people, or we look at maybe uh, spiritual leaders, we look at people who are uh, family of some extent, and we start to say them or they or you. But Luke is inclusive. He's including we sailed away. He does this two or three times in the, in the series of verses that I'm going to read. And that's important to be part of something that's larger than we are, okay? something that's part of community. And so although sometimes some of us come individually or collectively with a family, we're part of a larger group. We're part of a, part of a family. And as a family, we need to care about each other. Okay, that's important. So he says, we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. So they're in the middle of the feast season. In five days, we reached them at Troas where we spent seven days. The first day of the week, we, again, assembled to break bread. This is another thing. So uh, in some circles, in some realm, uh, Sunday morning church uh, is not uh, vogue anymore, where people maybe gather once a month at a certain night, or they'll grab a, a prayer meeting, or they do a Bible study. All the places I read in the New Testament after Jesus' resurrection, when they gather together, they gather together the first day of the week. That's like, right, that's today, that's Sunday. So some people say, well, I don't see the importance of gathering uh, together in a church or at a church. First of all, we're the church. Grace is not the church. The body of believers are the church. We're the church, okay? And as being the church, when we gather together, we gather together at a time that is uh, symbolic of when they gathered on the first day of the week in the New Testament time. And so I feel like what we're doing is very scriptural. The reason that's important is because when you follow the scriptural pattern, good things happen. When you follow away from scriptural patterns, you have to be careful that rebellion doesn't set in, okay? And so they gathered on the first day of the week. They broke bread. We try to take communion around here once a month. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he extended his message until midnight. Would it be okay with you today if I extend this message until midnight? Amen. Oh, praise God. I actually did not expect that. <laughs> My wife is shaking her head no. <laughs> we have eight people amening, and she's saying, well, no, get out. We're going to go home and eat. Uh, that's a long time. We're not sure when they started, but they made it over to Troas. They're gonna, he's going to present the gospel. He knows he's got to get a lot in, and so he's going to extend it till midnight. And sometimes in that environment, in that, in that realm, where we find ourselves starting to think, well, what about tomorrow? Or what am I going to have for lunch? Or what am I going to do here? Man, I got a busy week this week. We start to find ourselves, and if we're not careful, that becomes a lifestyle. We need to get 
get engaged in what God wants us to do while we're with the local assembly. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on speaking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. Again, much like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. We're talking about the wall sitter today, someone who sits on a wall and maybe is kind of in and kind of out. Let's go on to, but Paul went down, fell on him, embraced him and said, don't be alarmed for his life is in him. After going upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, Paul conversed in considerable time until dawn. Now, think about that for a second, because Paul was pushing his luck, going from whatever time he started, maybe it was noon, maybe it was 6 o'clock, let's say it was 6 o'clock, he went 6 o'clock p.m. till midnight, but then after Eutychus fell, he's like, I'm going to teach him a real good lesson, I'm going to go on till dawn, so he's going till like 6 o'clock, so he's preaching for probably at least 12 hours, so don't complain if I go seven minutes over, right? I mean, that, think about that effort that he had as he was preaching, he went on till dawn, then he left. And then the last one says, and they brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for hope. We thank you, Lord, today for those who are fully locked in and fully engaged. And for those, Father, Lord, who are searching. We thank you, Lord, for those who are, who are coming out maybe for the first time or second time. Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, you would be with them, Father God. You would you let them find hope. Let them find a place, oh God, Lord, just to be totally engaged with you. Uh, open our hearts now to hear what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Thank you. So let's, let's talk about a couple things here because we see where Luke is writing and he uses the word we, I think I count maybe four or five times. So he's, he's incorporated. And I like when we do things together, when we go to Cherokee or when we go to, out on the streets for every home for Christ or when we assemble together on Sunday mornings, when we do things as a group in a, a small group, when, when it's more we than just us or them or they're going to do that. And Luke assembles it that way to where he understands and he, he knows that there's a partnership here. Now, I want to walk you through a couple things that I've learned from this story as I've prepared for this whole idea with, with Humpty, you know, falling off the wall and, and shattering pieces everywhere. Some things are unavoidable, but if you need a miracle, point number one is then there's a theme that is usually followed, okay? Miracles usually follow a specific theme or pattern. Now, I say that not saying the word formula, because I don't think there's a formula for miracles. There's not a formula for those type of things, but there's a pattern or there's a way. And we see here in scriptures that Paul, after Eutychus fell out the window and he fell to, from the third story down, he died and, and uh, he ran down there. He, he went down there. He laid on him. He prayed for him. That the, he was following a theme of scripture as well. And there's several different themes that can take place, and this is one of them. And he lays on the boy and speaks life back into him, similar 
to 1 Kings when Elijah did that same thing with a young man, a boy too. He laid on the young boy and that young man came back to life. Elisha in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, did the same thing because Elijah was his mentor and Elisha lays on a young man. He comes back to life when he was dead. Now, the theme here that you see is Paul saying when he later on in scriptures that he was the, the chiefest of sinners, but he was a Jew to the Jews. He was educated. He understood the books. He, he read. He studied. He was studied at the best university. So he understood what Elijah and Elisha did for a miracle healing in their ministry. He goes down and does the same thing. Why is that important? Because if we start to do things in and of ourselves on our own, we become rogue. When we do things that are lining up with Scripture, lining up with the, with the Bible, lining up with, with God's Word, we start to get be part of something that's much, much larger and bigger than we are, okay? Uh, he also, uh, we also see in Acts the ninth chapter that Peter healed someone. So in the New Testament, we read where Jesus healed someone from death, Peter healed someone from death, and Paul healed someone from death, okay? Very important because we're looking at three dynamic people in the scriptures. Of course, we have Jesus. And in, in Luke, the seventh chapter, he heals, uh, he heals se in fact, several people from death. But Peter, then in Acts, the ninth chapter, he goes into uh, a town, and in the town, uh, some ladies in the town, they started to hear that Peter was in town. They knew that miracles were following him. And by the way, miracles should follow you. You shouldn't follow miracles. A lot of people will run and chase. Hey, there's a, a healing service over here. Hey, there's something over here. And that, that not, that's not bad in and of itself, but for the scriptures to work properly in your life, miracles should follow you. All right, you go lay your hands on the sick and, and they'll be healed. So Peter's in town and there's a bunch of women, the Bible says, weeping and wailing. Their dear sister uh, Tabitha had died and someone says, hey, go send for Peter. And so they send for Peter and Peter comes in and there's crying in the room and weeping in the room. And, and just like we all are, when someone close to us dies, we cry. We have, we have an emotion. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. But Peter does something. He follows a path pattern that he has seen his Lord do, and he tells everybody in the room to get out. Why? I think why is because that he doesn't want emotional pity in the room. He doesn't want doubt to enter in. Jesus, when he healed Jairus's daughter in Mark, the fourth chapter, uh, he says, the damsel is not dead. She's only asleep. The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. And so he, gets, he takes Peter, James, and John. So Peter was there, right? Then he takes the mom and dad of Darius, and then he takes him, himself, and of course, Darius. There's seven in the room. He rid, the Bible says he rids the room of everybody else. What's he doing? He's removing doubt. If you want a miracle in your life, write this down, you need to remove doubt from your life. If you want something to work in a relationship, if you want something to work in a, an emotion in you, if you want something to work financially in you, if you have a thought or an idea, you need to get around people who are backing you with that idea, not doubting with that idea. And again, God bless the medical industry. We have great, wonderful physicians and doctors, right? They will give you an analysis and, and you, you have to take that analysis for, for what it is. But at the same time, you can also know that God's words is yes and amen. 
If God's given you a promise, you need to stand upon that promise, okay? When Janie was in the hospital four years ago, our strategy was very simple. Family only was going to go into the hospital room. That was it. Why? Because her and I figured we didn't want emotional pity. We didn't want emotional doubt. What? Oh, did you see Janie? She looks, oh my goodness, she's hooked up to all kind of stuff, and I'm just afraid she's not going to make it. That's the problem. You're walking in fear. Listen, your prayers need to be faith-based, not fear-based. A lot of people pray out of fear. Oh, God, what's going to happen? Oh, God, what's going to happen? No, 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 stop right there. You have been given authority by the King of kings and the Lord of all glory, the bright morning star in the lily valley, that when you put your hand to something, if you call upon the name of Jesus, it will be done. It will be done. That's the power that you've been given. That's the authority. And see, now, listen, a lot of people don't believe that. Well, you know, I've prayed. and Okay, but when you remove doubt from a situation, when you follow the patterns of Scripture, so we remove doubt, nobody was allowed in, and I'm very thankful for our church, our leadership team, our elders that didn't say, hey, I'm going to come up there. Some came up and, and sat in the, um, uh, the, the lobby with me and, and, and brought meals, and it was very nice, and we'd go back in, and one sweet couple drove all the way up from from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It was an amazing thing. I drove up 11 hours, and a, a pastor's friend of ours, and, and uh, the pastor's wife, Kim, said, the Lord told me to pray for Janie. I went in and, and told Janie, I said, hey, Kim's here, and she said, the Lord told her to come pray for you. And uh, so do you, want, do you want them to come in, Mike and Kim? And Janie said, did the Lord tell Mike? I said, I don't think so. I think the Lord told Kim. Then Mike's not allowed in here. Just bring Kim in. They drove 11 hours for a 45-minute visit and turned around and drove right back. You need friends like that in your life. You need people like that in your life that you don't have to pick up the phone. You don't have to call. The Holy Spirit is calling them for you. I'm so thankful for that act of generosity of someone that would come. And church, think about how powerful you can be in somebody else's life. Quite often we think, well, I don't have anybody in my life like that. You probably don't because you haven't been that way for somebody else. So if you need somebody, be somebody. I'll say it one more time. If you need somebody, be somebody. Too many times we're, we're working on ourselves when we should be working on other people. Okay, so a theme follows the, a miracle follows the theme. In this pattern, Peter follows the pattern of Jesus. He gets rid of the, everybody in the room. He speaks. In fact, the Bible says he kneels down and he calls into Tabitha life and life happens just like that. Now, this is Peter. He's a guy just like you and I are. We, we're the same people. And this is, this is Paul. He goes down, and there's some action steps that I've written down in my Bible. Let me give them to you. So Paul goes down. The Bible says, let's go to verse 10 again. Thank you. Paul went down. Action. You have to do something. If you want to see a miracle in your life, you need to do something. Maybe it's pray. Maybe it's seek. Maybe it's ask. Maybe it's partnership. Maybe it's community. Maybe it's something. You have to do something. There has to be an action step. And then he says, he fell on him. There's that touch there. He's seen in Elijah and Elisha the physical touch. Jesus did that when he healed the leopard. The leopard says, if I would be clean, and Jesus says, you are, and he reached out and touched him. Why? Because they were untouchable. Maybe there's untouchable people in your life. 
Maybe there's untouchable people. And, you know, no, let's not go there, Pastor. You, know, man, you don't know how those guys treated me. You don't know how dirty they are. They're, they're not going to be around my kids. You know, they're, they're just untouchable. No. But Jesus went after those type of people. He touched them. And I said, you want to be like Jesus, you got to touch people. And not only did that, then he, he embraced him. And that's that social compassion part. I love people who are compassionate for things. I think... In my mind, compassion is something where you actually feel somebody's pain. You just don't know their pain. It's not sympathy. It's like, man, yeah, that's too bad, brother. I mean, I hope the best for you. But you actually feel their pain. When Janie got out of the hospital four years ago, our thoughts of people getting sick changed dramatically. And I wouldn't want anybody to go through what she went through. I wouldn't want anybody to enter into a hospital stay for nine days, six days in intensive care, and I sure wouldn't want anybody to have the bill afterwards. But I will tell you this, I wouldn't want to go back and change it, because now you can start to feel the pain people walk through when, when it's a hopeless situation, but you know Jesus is on the throne. You, you know that there's a God in heaven that will answer your prayers. You don't even have to hope it. You just know it. And so this is, that, this is that compassion side of Paul. He goes down there and he throws himself on the body. Sometimes you have to throw yourself into other people's situations. And we would get texts. We would get phone calls. Marcus did a great job on Facebook. And I know it's four, over four years ago, and I'm still talking about it, but I want to use that as an example today. If you want to see a miracle, there are patterns in the Bible that you have to follow. If you just throw your hands up and say, well, whatever God, whatever God is, whatever God was, then don't blame it on God. Don't blame it on God when you have a choice to pray, to seek, to agree together, to, to do action steps and to operate in faith. I got a call from our friend John Nuzo in, in Pittsburgh. And he said, Mark, what can I do? And this is a guy with a church of a congregation of three or 4,000. What can I do? Not, not hey, is there... What can I do? And he meant it. He would have been on a plane the next day. What can I do? John, you can pray. John, you can pray. That's, that's, that's all we need right now. We just need prayer. And so they had a, a prayer service. Our church had a prayer service. We, 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 we prayed. But there was a pattern of action that takes place. When you need a miracle, then you have to put a strategy before the Lord. Amen? All right. Number two. Let's go to the second point. We all need an upper room experience. There are several things that happen in the upper room. Luke 22, Jesus uh, happens in the, in the upper room. Uh, the filling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in uh, Acts, the, uh, the second chapter, happens in the upper room. Uh, Acts, the 10th chapter, uh, G, uh, Peter getting uh, released from prison and running to uh, Mary's house, which is believed to be the upper room. This message here, uh, Paul preaching, is believed to be in the upper room. A lot of things happen in the upper room. You need an upper room experience. And if it means falling out of the window, uh, so be it, so that as long as it's done on this side uh, of heaven, that the Lord gets everything right rather than the other side. I, I feel like, and this is just me, that Eutychus was just kind of tinkering on being partway in and partway out. Like he's sitting in the window and I'm wondering, like Paul, uh, I'm assuming is a really good orator. He preaches and writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He's got dialogue and intellect. He's been educated. He knows the word, yet Eutychus is like right here. 
Eutychus is like, here's the, here's the window. Here's Paul preaching. What am I going to do? I'm like half in, I'm half out. Uh, when's Paul going to shut up? I'm hungry for lunch. I'm tired. I've worked all day. Is it time for me to go? We don't understand maybe what Eutychus was doing, but while Paul was preaching, he fell asleep and he he tumbled three stories. Now, if you fall asleep, the worst you'll do is fall out of your chair and someone can nudge you, right? We shouldn't have to revive you if you fall asleep here today. Smile, laugh, say amen. Amen. Shout hallelujah. Just let me know you're out there today. I, I know it's August, but come on, work with me a little bit, okay? Laugh, cry, leave. I don't care. No, don't leave. So Eutychus is in this window, and he's, and he's, and he's, he's going to fall out. He falls asleep, and he falls out. And I wonder if that's not a, a picture of sometimes how we are in our walk with Christ. Like we want to be in, but we're not always in. Like I'm, I'm in church. Like I was in church today. Hey, what did the, what did the, what did the preacher preach about? Well, what was your favorite song? And you, you don't have a clue. Why? Because, well, maybe you're on the phone or maybe your mind was preoccupied with something you got to do this week. So you're here, but you're not really here. Like you're, you're part of the group, but you're not engaged with the group. Like you, you, you were singing but you really weren't worshiping. And there's a difference. I think you gain the applause of heaven when you get totally engaged in what you're doing with Christ. I mean, listen, this is the stuff that's gonna last to eternity, not the other stuff that we're worried about. Not if we're, if we're gonna make it there on time, if we're gonna be able, are they, you know, is, is the buffet line gonna be too long at the Golden Corral when pastor's done because I really want that fried chicken? There's gonna be more fried chicken for you at the Golden Corral. I promise. They know you're coming. Whatever your restaurant is, whatever, we, we get so preoccupied, and I think that's a trick of the enemy, church. Trick of the enemy is, listen, if I can get you preoccupied thinking about something else, you'll totally miss what the effort was. You'll totally miss what the message was. You'll totally miss what the worship was. Dynamic worship, people engaged in worship, and all of a sudden, God starts to speak to people. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. A lot of times, the miracle that someone needs is here, but the person's not. And they might not be here. They're just not totally engaged. Eutychus wasn't engaged. He wasn't there. He was there, but he wasn't there. He falls asleep and falls out the window. He does a Humpty Dumpty. I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. Why is this story in the scripture? Because the Lord's trying to teach us something. You can be there and still not be there. So if you're going to be there, why not be here? If you're going to be engaged, why not be engaged? Like, man, why not just jump into it? It's, a, it's an amazing thing. If you're, if you're going half-hearted at something, you're really not going at all. It's like, man, Pastor, I'm trying. If you're trying, that's one thing. If you're not trying, that's another, right? And so I feel like an urgency over our church today in a, in a form of just a direction. Hey, we need to make sure that we're engaged in what God wants us to do. If it's every home for Christ, if it's Second Harvest Food Ministries, if it's Cherokee, if it's small groups, if it's a, a, the holiday season coming up, whatever, whatever God would have us to do, we need to be fully engaged. If it's a second campus, let's get fully engaged. Why? Because otherwise I think we fall out of the window and we start to break apart. 
And in, if we're not careful, we start to get a lukewarm spirit. And Jesus told John to write this in, in the Revelations about the church at Laodicea, that I'd rather have you hot or cold, but if, I'm, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to what? Spew you out of my mouth. And if we read that scripture the way it's written, some people have said in the past, well, then I need to, if I'm a Christ follower and I start to backslide or if I start to, to forfeit my salvation, if I start to just move ahead uh, away from Christ, then I'm just going to go ahead and, and be a sinner because the Lord said I need to be hot or cold. That's not, that's not the way it's written. The way it's written is simply if you're hot, like good hot water. There's a place in Colorado called Glenwood Springs, and the water comes out of the ground at like 138 degrees. They have to cool it down so that you can even get in it to take a, a spa-type bath. It's, a, it's an amazing place. Shane and I have had the opportunity to go there. It's a wonderful place. They also have places in Colorado where the water comes out of the ground like under 40 degrees, and it's cold, and it's refreshing. This is what Laodicea was like. So Jesus is using it as a reference. Be cold and refreshing like this. Be hot and spa like that. Just don't be lukewarm. There's nothing worse than lukewarm bath water. There's nothing warm than, worse than lukewarm water to drink. It's like, I need a drink and it's lukewarm and you're hot. This is what the Lord's saying. Don't, just don't be lukewarm. This, I feel like, is what Eutychus was being. He was just trying to dabble with the world, but he wanted to be part of the group because maybe peer pressure, somebody wanted him. I'm going to be in church because I'm supposed to be. That's what, I, that's what I need to be, but I really want to be out there. So I'm going to play on my phone or I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, in my mind, I'm going to see what's going on. Yet at the same time, a move of the Spirit comes and Paul is preaching and Eutychus falls asleep and dies. So but what Paul does is, is, is honorable and miraculous. Paul, at the time, before then, was killing Christians, right? In the name of Saul, as his name, he was killing Christians. Now he's reviving Christians. So it's a complete 180-degree turnaround. He goes downstairs, and he does the, he does the miracle, and there, there's a beautiful scenario there on how we understand that now Paul is the, from, goes from Christian killer to Christian reviver, and he doesn't hold listen to me, he doesn't hold that against them. Some people, sometimes people get offended. It's like, well, that, they deserve that. That, that, that figures. Because you see Paul preaching and Eutychus dying, all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, you should have been paying attention. You, you died, you dummy. No, he, he, he goes down there and he starts to speak life into him. This is a lesson for the church, I think, as well. We have to be careful that we don't prejudge people that Jesus wants to save that we don't pre-qualify people, well, they're good enough for the kingdom, and they're not. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me talk about uh, the umpires and the lifeguards. Umpires do exactly what they're told to do. They call balls and strikes. Three strikes and you're out, and if you argue with it, you're out of there for sure, right? That's what an umpire does. But a lifeguard, they give chances. They, they, they give boundaries and they give chances. They give boundaries and chances. If someone fails at the boundary, then they're a lifesaver. And so sometimes in, our, in a church, any church, or hopefully not our church, we have too many umpires. Well, yeah, but pastor, they don't do this, 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 and this. Well, no, they don't, but let's give them a chance to. Let's give them an opportunity to. Let's not call them out before they get into the door. Let's make sure we, we don't have to pre-qualify people with salvation if we just throw our arms around them and love them. That's Jesus' job. We can't save anybody, by the way. 
Only Jesus can. We can lead them to salvation. We ask the Holy Spirit to bring them in. But if we, if we get the umpire mentality, the umpire is, man, you know, they're, they're not straightening up. They're, just, they're, not, they're still doing what they're doing. They're, they're just not going to change ever. Let's just, let's just get rid of them. And then we've become very legalistic. And legalist, legalism has the umpire rule, three strikes and you're out, where the, the lifeguard rule is simply, hey, let's give them another chance. How many chances are you going to give them? I don't know. Jesus said 490. That's a long time, right? So if we look at the fact that if we can be a lifeguard and throw a lifeline to somebody, who knows who's going to grab that lifeline and be, be brought in? So when Eutychus falls off the, the deal, off the wall, and shatters all over the ground, then what happens is Paul does this unrecognizable thing and goes down and starts praying for him rather than be an umpire and say, that serves you right. And if the church, if Christ's followers would be lifeguards, say, hey, you know, you shouldn't do that in love, man. That, that's not a good thing to do. That's not, that's not typically, that's not what you should do. Or, hey, here's what the Bible says, rather than ram it down the throat. You know, the Bible says this, and maybe we should try to, to walk this way and, and do this type of thing. And then if they happen to fall, we don't say, told you so. We jump in after them and pull them out. That's the lifeguard in us. That's the lifeguard that, that allows us to walk in love. Let's go to the, the third point. Worship is not a, a metaphor. Christianity was never intended to be a spectator sport. I, I feel like possibly social media lends us to the fact that we have become spectators in many things because you don't have to watch the 11 o'clock news anymore or the 6 o'clock news in the morning or the 4 or 5, 6 o'clock news at night. You have everything at your disposal if you have a phone that is a smartphone, a mobile device. You can see everything up to the minute. You know what a bombing that's happened in, in Greece. You know a tornado that's happened in Kansas. You know of everything that's happened. You can, you can see the weather and you can predict the weather as well as the, the weatherman can predict the weather, right, wrong, or indifferent, Right? You know that you have that, but what, is, what it's caused us to do in some effects is not to uh, be part of the situation, but to watch the situation. And I think, and I'm glad Grace Church isn't like this, but there's a lot of uh, people that, that are Christ followers that watch things get done. They're not part of them getting done. They're, they watch, oh man, that's really good. Man, they did a great job. That was really good. But see, if we're in it together, and this is what the Lord shows us in worship, that if we become true worshipers of him, then we're engaged in what God is doing in our community through us. Why? Because he wants, his heart, Jesus said this, his heart is after the true worshiper, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Those who are totally engaged in what God's doing. It's not a social club. It's not a media club. It's not something that, you know, and, and by the way, we, we stream live and, and we have a lot of online viewers. We're, they're part of our community, okay? They're part of what we're trying to do. What is that? We want to engage in worship to God so that he can free people up. Your worship might be a freeing experience for somebody else. When I was 23 years old, uh, Janie and I had just had our third child, and I didn't have a job. 
And so an uh, older gentleman uh, in church who I looked up to, he, he asked me to start praying with him. His eyesight was going. He was 50 years or better older than me. And so I started praying with him. And uh, just really had a good time, just really enjoyed it. And uh, we'd go early in the morning and pray. And uh, his wife was just a, a dear soldier in Christ. And she, she handled the children's ministry or the nursery ministry for uh, Janie's father's church. And they were just great people. Well, one day, uh, one night in the middle of the night, uh, two guys broke in in their house and, and broke right in their bedroom. It was the bedroom window that they, they, they raised up, broke in, climbed in, and, and the, the gentleman, uh, his, ear, his hearing was going, his eyes were going, and so, but his wife, she, she was attentive. She knew exactly what was going on. She sat up in bed, and the, the article in the paper, which we heard it firsthand, but the article in the paper was so cool. Uh, article in the paper said, what did you do next? She said, I started to worship my God. Now think about that. Two strangers in your bedroom, one had a knife, one had another weapon, I'm not sure what it was, she couldn't tell, maybe a gun, maybe a knife, not sure, and she sits up in bed, and she started to worship the Lord, and as she was worshiping the Lord, she started to pray in her prayer language. Now, this is a lady who's fully engaged in Christ, like, she doesn't know if she's going home right then. She doesn't know, but she doesn't know if the, her husband's going home right then. She just knows the only thing that she knows that when everything goes south, she's going to worship God. And she started to worship the Lord. She started to pray in her prayer language. It's an it's amazing story. The one guy dropped his knife and climbed back out the window. And the other guy had already beaten him out the window. She called the police, made a report, and the, the police were like, well, ma'am, what happened? She said, well, two guys broke in my window. Well, there it is right there. They broke the window, broke in. Well, what did they do? Well, they turned around and left. Well, why did they leave? Because I started worshiping God. Uh, the, the, the story was so crazy that the local newspaper got involved, and they wrote an article on it. Now, when the, the local newspaper gets involved, the Omaha World Herald, by the way, so it's not like a small-town newspaper, nothing against small-town newspapers, but it was a large newspaper. They, they couldn't believe it. They did like a full-page article on, on, we called her Sister Bess, on Sister Bess sitting up, come on back, worship team, on, listen to me, sitting, sitting up in her bed, church. Now, I don't know if that would be the first thing I would do. Like, you break in my house, I'm probably not going to sit up and say, thank you, Jesus. But she started praying, and she started praising, and she started worshiping God. She started speaking in her prayer language, and all of a sudden, she looked up, and the one guy, the second guy, has dropped his, his weapon, and he's, he's climbing out the window. God will do incredible things if we take worship for what it really is. It's not just an act on Sunday morning. It's an everyday experience. It's an everyday, like, I just can't wait to get now. I, I'll tell you this, I have an added, added benefit because my wife is, is one of our worship leaders. And she walks around the house worshiping. She, she sets the atmosphere in our house like she does here. And so I don't, it's easy for me just to wake up. Honey, you make it easy for me just to wake up and start praising God. 
But I've said it last week, I'm doing a study on Thanksgiving for the month of November, and I don't think we really realize how much power we have when we simply just raise our hands and and praise the Lord. Let me give you four things very quickly. It will not take long. I wonder if one, Eutychus represents the church, half in, half out. Just kind of uh, like, yeah... I just want to be, yeah, I just want to be close, but I don't want to be all the way in. Second one is the the half in, half out part. If we're too busy being, trying to be like something that we're not supposed to be. Paul didn't care. Paul preached for at least 12 hours that day, minimum, at least 12 hours. He didn't really care. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. He was trying to change people. There's a big difference. Church, we got to stop trying to impress people. We got to start trying to change people. Jesus is the change agent. Amen. Number, number three, if you have a major mistake in your life like Eutychus did, Jesus ain't going to step on your throat. He's going to help revive you. He's going to bring you back. But he asked us to help him do that. And then the last but not least is Jesus is a Jesus of his word. He's a person of his word. His word will heal, save, deliver, and set you free. Stand with me right where you're at. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands today. Eutychus fell, Eutychus died, Paul prayed, he came back to life. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm struggling in my walk. I'm struggling with who I'm supposed to be in Christ. I I so bad want to be part of, you know, this group over here, but yeah, I know God's pulling me over here. I want you just to raise your hands towards heaven. I want you to tell the Lord today, hey, if you're all in, that's, that's the way to be. But if there's parts of you that aren't all in, why not make it right right now? Why not ask the Lord right now, Father, whatever it takes, just make me all in. Lord, I I want to be a a sold-out, committed, born-again, Christ-following believer that doesn't care what other people think. Why not just take whatever it is, whatever baggage there may be, why not give it over to Jesus right now? Why not share it with Him and let Him take care of it? How's it going to work out? I don't know. How will you be revived? I don't know. But the fact is, revival starts on the inside. It's not an act. It's not a three-day meeting. It's not someone declaring it. It's simply you who were once alive, reading your Bible every day, seeking God every day, praying for God's move every day, to all of a sudden now becoming reawakened and say, okay, God, here I am. Lord, I repent and ask for forgiveness. Now I'm moving forward in you. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we embark in worshiping you and praising you, Lord, that you would would deal with us individually, Lord, not from this pulpit, but individually saying, okay, God, I need to be revived in my spirit. I need to, I, I thank you for putting the pieces back together, but Lord, would you revive each and every one of us to be the soldier in Christ that you need us to be in Jesus' name. Let's worship you. Need more inspiration in your life? You don't have to say goodbye anymore. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even our website by using the links below. Get live streaming notifications, receive daily encouragement, and stay up to date on the latest information. Follow, like, and subscribe today.